welcome back to our journey sister speak i am diane and i am michelle and we're a little late recording this month because of covid michelle got covid sorry michelle (laughs) that's okay (laughs) but we are back um today is june 20th yesterday was juneteenth as well as father's day and some people observed it friday on their job some people most celebrations were sunday but today some jobs are observing it so we were talking and we did not even become i didn't even become aware of juneteenth until like two years ago and that's the same for me it wasn't until the pandemic hit and after George Floyd, when people started really talking about Blacks, American, America, and um, civil rights and all of that. And that, in my opinion, is when I first started hearing about Juneteenth. And then I started researching it. And then at school, we have... Um, we started a student equity council and many of the students that were on that council were um, students of color and they were talking about Juneteenth and we felt it was important to share what Juneteenth was at school because I didn't really know anything about it and in the video that they made I said I didn't know anything about what Juneteenth was until then. Yeah, and and I really hate to admit this, Michelle, but <laughs> you know how we start they started Kwanzaa and started celebrating Kwanzaa. I kind of was like, "Oh, another thing that black people are doing." However, <laughs> let's think about Kwanzaa. Somebody said our heritage needs to be uh celebrated. Mm-hmm. Why as Americans or black Americans, we've always felt like we need to downplay our culture and downplay our heritage. I mean, we're we're here not because we wanna be here, first of all. Mm-hmm. You brought us here, now this is me. But they've always made us feel like there was something wrong with us wearing our natural hair. There was something wrong about us talking about our cultures. The um, Asians, they don't care who says what. They are going to celebrate their culture. You're going to know this is my culture. You go into their nail salons or whatever. They're not trying to speak to you in mm-hmm. their language. They're speaking to each other in, in their language. Right. You know what I'm saying? And they're proud of who they are. Why have we been made to feel that we shouldn't be proud of who we are? Honestly, growing up, I never really thought about it. I grew up in Harlem. I was surrounded by black people. I was surrounded by Dominicans because of the area I grew up was a mixture of black and Dominican. So I honestly never really thought about it because growing up in Harlem, you had like the flea markets that had the um, African garb and all of that stuff. And I really never thought about it. We celebrated um, Black History Month in the schools. And to me, that was just normal. Yeah. So how could I question something that seemed to be normal to me? Because that's how we were brought up, celebrating us for one month. And then during Black History Month, 
they would speak about the same people. Martin Luther King Jr., Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. Like people I mean, so far back right. that did we even believe that we could be the next Martin Luther King. Like we didn't talk about it in today's time. We talked no. about black history. Correct. Not like this is what you can be today. This is history. Right. And I did not start inquiring or embracing my um, culture until, and, and I will be honest, until the pandemic when I was sitting at home and there were things coming up on Facebook and stuff and then I would start clicking and then reading about it. And at that point, that's when I started embracing my culture. Prior to that, it was like, okay, I'm black. And, you know, that yeah. was it. I never put any thought into yeah. it. Because I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and it was a all-black community. But when I was a child growing up in elementary school, I was in Chicago, south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. black neighborhood. Um, but like you say, black history was one month. Like, we didn't really even talk about it in the household. Right. Maybe we didn't feel like we needed to because we weren't surrounded by other cultures. But so when I when I had kids, I didn't really talk about it. And I probably should have because my kids grew up in a, a predominantly white area. <laughs> and like my daughter said, Holocaust, we talked about for a week. Mm-hmm. Slavery and civil rights we talked about for a day. And why is slavery considered black history? Right. And the same with you. I mean, we uh, raised our kids in the same predominantly <laughs> white area. And we didn't really talk about it. However, I was conscious because of the choices I made in the community I chose to raise my children to join a, a predominantly black church. Okay. I wanted them to be a part of that experience and be around our people. Yeah. I don't think it was enough. Could I have done things differently? Maybe. Do I have regrets? Oftentimes I wonder how would my children's experiences have been different if I have had moved into a predominantly black neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my kids have turned out well. They know how to live or coexist amongst different groups of people. Yeah. But I do wish they experienced a predominantly black area like I did. Yeah. Because my, I know my daughter, she used to have um, self. I don't want to say self-esteem issues, but I guess it's self-esteem, identity crisis, mm-hmm. where I had taken her to a therapist because, and I didn't realize it was something I could do to help her, but I had basically took her from Gary, all black neighborhood, placed her in this all white neighborhood, and now she had all these white friends mm-hmm. and you're obviously different. Mm-hmm. First of all, your body is made up different. So now you're comparing your body to their bodies. Mm-hmm. Had she went to school with all people that look like her, she would have been snatched, as they say. Right. <laughs> but she see, you know, size two, mm-hmm. no behind, no hips, and she thinks something's wrong with her. 
even her hair. Now she wants to flat iron it all the time. No, but, but so I didn't realize. And even though I wasn't like perming my hair and trying to be another race, Mm -hmm. it's like, it wasn't enough for her to just see me. I needed her to see other black people. And that's the same with my daughter. (laughs) They went to the same high school. She was yearning for when she went to the high school to be amongst peers that looked like her. And it took her, not her freshman year, I wanna say her sophomore year, where she started to gravitate to those that looked more like her. So her experiences were a little bit different. But girl, I'll tell you, when she was in elementary school and we first moved to this area, I had to get Medea <laughs> because, and that was her first experience where um, a Caucasian boy <laughs> who was on the bus told, said to her verbatim, black girl, move your seat. Oh, no, no, no. And she was fearful to come home and tell uh-huh. me. So when I did find out later in the evening I did call the school, I did call transportation, I left the message, and my handling of this could have been better because that following morning I waited with her at the bus stop, I called my job and told them I was going to be late. See, I, I don't think it could have been any and better. I, I got on that bus <laughs> and the bus driver was stunned because my words, and I'm playing it in my head, I said, if another one of you have anything negative to say about my child because of her skin color, you have to deal with me and her father. And don't you ever face your interaction with my child because of her skin color. Yeah, and I think that was the best way you could have handled it. That's the only way I knew how to handle it. And see, (laughs) I always think, well, I didn't do enough. Like my son, he worked in the same community and I found out that his um, his manager was racially discriminating against him. Well, he was saying things to him, you know, um, about uh, picking cotton and, oh, no. and <laughs> stuff like that. And, and my son's very quiet, you know, he, he don't really want to discuss anything. But when he comes home and just says, I need to quit or whatever. You know something is going on. Right. Or even at school when they um, was teaching civil rights, Mm -hmm. the teacher goes over to him. Now, he's the only black kid in the class. Look who's I'm standing next to. They wouldn't be here if it, that was ignorant. (gasps) Oh. So, of course, he comes home. Now Mm -hmm. he wants to talk because you have embarrassed him. Right. So I feel like I could have done more, but what I did do, first of all, sent that email to the principal, Mm -hmm. to the superintendent. I I met with them and the teacher, and I said to her, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, but for me, I should have been like, lady, I will (laughs) meet you outside. Like, how dare you, you know? And so I always felt like I didn't do enough. Right. But even the community I moved into I was we were the first black family and initially I felt they welcomed us but then there was some underhanded things being done 
you have two black boys riding their bikes in the street, the cops are called. For what? You had something else that occurred, the cops are called. When I tell you, and I'll never forget one time my daughter and her friends were walking in a shopping plaza, and then when she came home, she told me that the cops approached them and questioned them. So you know me, I went to the police station and I filed a complaint. Why are you questioning a minor? Was there a reason for you to question her? Was she under suspicion for something that happened? Don't speak to my child without me being present or contact me. Yeah. But there's always, I feel, that fight. And I try to place my children or raise them in a community that I thought... I did my research on the high school, on their graduation status, on the, because that's and the that way was my the mind. Thing. We were right as teachers, education, education. Correct. We were not really thinking about culture, the, and that is what drove me to that community. So it has been a fight. It continues to be a fight. Um, you know, even with my association, I feel that they attempt to attempt to target me they tried to say my window trim was not properly painted proceed to send me now this just happened about a month ago send me a picture which is not my window me being who i am take all these shots of pictures of my window send it to them get no response so now i send another email and include the president of their manager or the CEO of their management company, someone's going to get back to me. Oh, well, we thought, no, you didn't think. You just figured she the black lady. Exactly. The now, there are more black families, not as many as I would like to see. We all like look alike, see. don't you know? Exactly. Exactly. But I went and drove. Not one window looks like mm, the window that they sent, that they se- so that they a sent white, me. a white person's window. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? So the struggle is still there, and I guess that brings us back to Juneteenth. I feel we, as a group of people, have made some progress. I don't feel it's enough. I don't feel we are where we should be in 2022. I should not feel as I'm driving and there's a police car in back of me that I'm going to be pulled over and what cockamamie story are they going to come up with. I've been fortunate enough, despite the experiences I've had in that neighborhood, not to have had any negative experiences with the police, Mm -hmm. with the exception of that time they questioned my daughter. But there's still a lot of work that we need to do. And I don't know. I think with us and the unfortunate um, event that has happened to Sandra Bland and you know, um, uh, Castile, Philandro Castile, he's the one that got shot by the cop um, in the car with his fiance oh, or George yeah, Floyd, yeah. or there's so many names that. And it's all because you fear the color of our skin. And that's it. Even with my sons and my daughter as well, but more so my sons. I cannot go to sleep until they yeah. are safe in the house. So you know I'm exhausted because they're grown. Yeah. They may come in two, three in the morning, but I'm like, let me know when you're on your way. And I'm timing it to make sure that there are no issues. Yeah. My son's battery died, this is a few weeks ago, and he was in an area that isn't the safest, 
but my thought is oh my god what is he going to be okay so my other son went to give him a jump start but now I'm worried about two of my sons being out there at night in the middle of the night and it's those things that I should not be fearful so it does annoy me when you have Caucasian people say, I don't see color. Well, I have a problem with that. You should, you should see, see color. color because my experiences are way different than your experiences. Yeah. yeah. And it's based off of color. Don't tell me you don't see color yeah. because then you're not recognizing me yeah. in the color that I am. Yeah. So and I when just, that statement was first said, I was like, no, I don't see color either. But I do see color. You know, I notice that you're white. Right. But I don't treat you differently. Right. I know that we have some differences. Right. And when I talk to you, I might have to explain some things. Right. But I don't look at you as inferior to me. Correct. And that's the problem. They say... I don't see color, but you treat me like I'm different. And you're not recognizing who I am. I am a black woman. You should see me as a black woman. Don't diminish the color of my skin, you know, or like you and I had a discussion before we started recording about minority, the term. No, we are not a minority. We are not inferior. We are on the same level as that. So I will say students of color because i will not say we're the minority and they're the majority yeah you know so these are things that i am more aware of now since the pandemic because i was able to do the research and stuff and really think about the experiences and like i said george floyd was the eye opening and yes there have been previous incidents that i've cried and i'm like oh my god and this and that it was just I guess because we actually saw it happen yeah. in real time. And it's because we we were already in a still place. Right. When before COVID came, we were just going on about our merry little ways. I'm too busy to notice anything. Right. The pandemic forced you to say, hello, Right. this is in front of you. Right. And so I think our children are more in tune or woke as you say Mm -hmm. as they say because they have grown up with this yes they have grown up seeing young people slaughtered in the street yes they have grown up in a pandemic where they had nothing to do but watch this on television and so they have said to themselves i'm going to be a part of making a difference and it's always happened the difference here is the technology now yeah we didn't have the phones no. to catch it happening no. in real time so you're right our kids are more vocal because they're actually seeing it it's always been spoken about but you've never actually seen yeah. it now we're seeing it now we're like enough is enough yeah. we're tired I just hope the momentum that we currently have will continue. And that's my fear. Just like when John Lewis passed away. When I tell you I watched the funeral, I don't know, you would have sworn that man was my dad. Uh. (laughs) I sobbed. And I feel I was so much more emotional in his passing because he was one of the last that led the fight. And my fear is... It will all go where? Yeah. 
And I don't and want... We, can't, we cannot let it die. Right. Hopefully our young people, because they are so sensitive to it, will keep the momentum going because it's like every day the things that they fought for, our ancestors fought for, they're trying to take. They are. And that's because they are fearful. Yeah. They are fearful. If you look at the country and think about everything that they're trying to revert, starting from trying to make it more difficult for us to vote. They're trying Let's to talk now. about voting. Wait a minute. Uh oh. <laughs> so Christina went to a Juneteenth uh, uh, celebration mm-hmm. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. She said there was a lady there signing up people to vote, and the guy said, "I'm not registered to vote because I'm on parole." I did not realize there yes. was a new law past 2020 that. You can still register to vote even though you've been on parole. How many of us know that? Right. They ain't trying to let us know that. They don't want us to know that. No. And that's the thing. And that's why I'm watching Stacey Abrams so closely. Now, y'all know she won that election, but that's a whole nother story. So she should be the governor of Georgia. However, we have to not fall for the okey-doke tales that they try to spin and hope that we will follow because they are so fearful. If we are able to unite and get together, we are such a powerful group of people. And we need to realize that and stop condemning and tearing each other down. If we could get, but see, we've been raised throughout history to fight, to fight, but to, to try to stay afloat. And it didn't matter who came in your way. If we could redirect that and focus yeah. on uniting us, and if we, at black Americans, can unite with Hispanics and all these groups that, oh my God, I, I just can't yeah. even imagine we're, the power we're so we would busy have. Fighting each, each other. other because the other cultures mm-hmm. has made it a fight for us to survive. So right. it's like, we're okay, survival mode. okay, yeah, we're in survival mode. However, I need to survive in this, I, I hate to say it, but white bread society, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Even right. if that means stepping on my black sisters and my Correct. black brothers, which is sad. It is sad. And I will say there are times when I try to support black-owned businesses or black-owned um, companies and stuff, and usually my results have been good. But then there are those when you're like, "See, this is why I can't yeah. work with my own." Yeah, because it's it, there have been times when it's been unprofessional, or the prices have been skyrocketed, or it's like, "Why are you trying to take advantage of your yeah. own when yeah. I'm trying to support you?" Yeah. So it's just I don't know what we can do to change the mentality to be able to unify ourselves as a people. But if we were able to do that, That's God, oh, Lord, no. Question. <laughs> but I say all of that to say this is why they are so fearful yeah. of us. Because when you think about it, black people as a whole, we're creative, 
We we're, built this country for Pete's sake. We're intelligent. We're hard workers. Hard worker. I don't care what they say about black people being lazy. Let's let's just revamp that thing. Cause exactly. let's think about it. You got mothers working two, three, four jobs for their mm-hmm. kids. So to say black people are lazy, that's a misconception. It's all the things that we that have been embedded in our minds that we have to let go yeah. in order for us to succeed. And it's like they're trying to can they continue. I, I hate to keep blaming them because we're allowing it. We're allowing it. We are allowing it. So I can't fault them. Yeah. I'm faulting us at this point. Yeah. If we could get rid of that mentality and work collaboratively. But where does it start? And that's a good question. Where, who's the first to get us mentally together and say, let's stop fighting each other. Let's fight for each other. Right. It's like we're just so used to, because I even find myself, if I'm driving down a certain neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I see a person of color walking in that neighborhood, I'm wondering what they're doing there. Yes. Yes. Why is that mentality in my head? Correct. Because that's what they have programmed us to do. Right. Like, why are we not worthy to have the same or more or better than them? Yeah. You know, and I'm guilty. Like you said, I'm driving down the road. And if I see a person of color walking on the street, why am I quick to feel fearful? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? And I'm embarrassed that I feel that. Me too. (laughs) I'm so, you know, and as, but what I am, I am aware of that now. So I am making a conscious effort to change that thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it's just it's so much work, and I'm hoping with Juneteenth and Black Lives Matter and all of these groups, you know, um, the National Coalition for 100 Black Women, the NAACP. Yeah. I'm hoping that we, as just as a community, can start to change our way of thinking so that it may not happen in our lifetime, but maybe in our kids' lifetime, there will be more progress made. Yes, Because back in the 60s, things were different than what they are now. It's just saddens me that here we are in 2020 that we're still having these same conversations. Still same conversations. You know, I joke and I say, and you've heard me say this, listen, I'm trying to figure out um, when I retire, I might be going back to my motherland. <laughs> <laughs> I've said this, and people, you know, and I say it jokingly, but it is an honest thing yeah, that I've thought yeah. about. Like, it's, and it's sad because, like <laughs> you say, we are not African. Right. The Africans don't see us as African. They don't. So it's like we're just a stepchild in between right. somewhere. So we have to fight for our position. Right. And we have to solidify it. And whatever our ancestors have already accomplished, we have to make sure it stands and not let it be taken away from us. And slowly but surely, I feel us losing the grasp of what our ancestors have fought so hard for us. It's like history is repeating itself and it saddens me. But my hope is in this generation coming up that they have the thrive, they have the drive, 
they have the the will and the strong you know the strength to do what they need to do and even us that we can at least be those role models for our upcoming you know generation to continue with this fight i i just i don't have the answer i don't know what we can do (laughs) you know i think every person just have to do their part right and speaking of that when i hear people say i'm not gonna vote it don't matter Uh, whether it matters or not like they always got a conspiracy Right. Whether it matters or not, the fact that my ancestors mm-hmm. died even trying to register to vote. Yes. I need to get my behind in that booth, send in my mail-in ballot, whatever, and vote. And even as um, our, our, our people, women had not too long ago earned the right to vote. So even just being a woman, regardless yeah. of your race, yes. we just earned that privilege how many years? Yes. You know? So it's like, and I will always say this, it doesn't matter what political party you on, we should be able to come. I remember growing up, you had those political parties. They agreed to disagree, but they worked together. Yeah. And that is what is missing. Yeah, it's like it's my way or that's it. Yeah. No. Yeah. What are the policies that you're fighting for? Yeah. You know, and that. And here's the thing: (laughs) (laughs) the racism has not changed in America. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we've had the Republicans, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Democrats. But when number forty-five came. Yeah, because you know I don't say his name. He made it where people were like, okay, enough is enough. Like He made them, the racists, feel comfortable to come out and just do what they do. That's because they were following his lead. So even white people were like, okay, my brother or my sister have gone too far. Right, right. So we were fighting the common cause there. <laughs> right. So we need to all just get on one accord. I mean. But what's the scary part about it is you have so many that's so far right or so far mm-hmm. left. And they are getting into these powerful positions. Oh, my God. And that's what scares me. Yeah. Because you have people that truly believe in these things. And I'm in such like disbelief like oh my gosh have i just closed the shutters in my eyes and chose not to see what was already there yeah and that's the trouble troubling part and i fear for my children i fear fear for their children i fear for the generations to come and that's why it's so important for us to fight this fight together yeah. Because it's not okay. It's you know, everyone thinks America is this great country. And, and I it's look, it's and not. it's, not. it's not. And if you think about it, it's not a great company. We're a country. We're fighting amongst ourselves. But we still are not in a position of other countries. Yes. So, you know, we got to say, okay, let me figure out what I'm doing on a daily basis. Because... Just perhaps, just like Russia 
took trying to take over Ukraine. Just perhaps somebody do try to take us over. We are all Americans. We have never known any other way of life. Correct. I mean, except for our slave ancestors. But, you know, we're sitting on these high horses, but just say another country comes and now all of a sudden we want to overthrow the United States. Are we still going to be fighting each other? Are we still united? And it's it, Or are and we it's, fighting as Americans? It's embarrassing because I've heard many people from other countries say, in their country, they look at us and they laugh. They laugh at yeah. us, but we're supposed to be this great country. Yeah. And it's like, no, we yeah. really aren't. So, you know, I know we've been going on this. We did have other things to talk about, but this, <laughs> I tell you, once we get started, we but just we get will started. continue on our other topics next time. We yeah. just really appreciate everyone listening. We can talk forever. <laughs> and we just hope that, you know, in this Juneteenth, the first um, year of it being, you know, recognized, we hope that just because they gave us a national holiday, that it shuts us up because yeah, because that's what they just that's they, what they just uh, give them something. Yeah, no, honestly, no, honestly, that's what this was. Don't just accept anything. Push for more. Push for more. We deserve it, and we can be a powerful group. We just have to understand and realize the power that is within each of us and utilize that for the betterment of us. Yes. Hello, welcome back to Our Journey Sisters Speak. I am Diane. And I am Michelle. And we're a little late recording this month because of COVID. Michelle got COVID. Sorry, Michelle. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But we are back. Um, today is June 20th. Yesterday was Juneteenth, as well as Father's Day. And some people observed it Friday on their job. Some people, most celebrations were Sunday, but today some jobs are observing it. So we were talking and we did not even become, I didn't even become aware of Juneteenth until like two years ago. And that's the same for me. 